Ecclesiastes chapter number 3, and we're going to continue uh, studying and reading. And, uh, oh yeah, if you need a lesson, if you need a lesson, hold your hand up real high, and they're, they're going to run with those lessons. Anybody, hold, if you do not have a lesson, if you do not have a lesson, uh, we need you to get one. I need everybody to have one because uh, uh, Jesus will not love you unless you get one of these lessons tonight, all right? Everybody needs a lesson. If you don't have one, raise your hand. Everybody, raise your hand if you need one. You got one. Uh, I want you to follow along with us, okay? Everybody have a Now, does everybody have one? Does anybody need one? Anybody need a lesson? All right. All right. I think we got that covered, fellas. Thank you. Uh, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. And uh, let's all stand just a moment as we read God's Word. Uh, uh, it's our custom around here to do that. And uh, so let's do that. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. In verse number 1, when you get there, say amen. Amen. To everything there is a season, a season, a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. I want to to skip down uh, to verse number... Uh, uh, verse number 11, verse number 11. What verse? 11. He hath made, this is talking about the Lord, He hath made everything, what? He hath made everything in His time. In His time. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your mercy. I thank You for Your love tonight. Please help us. Uh, God, we're trying our best to study things that's going to help us Uh, get through the trials and tribulations that we face here on earth. But not only that, we're here uh, to get what we can to help others through their times of difficulty. And God, I pray that you'll help us now as we learn more about you to help us be what we need to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, We are, this whole month, the month of December, we're focusing on healing uh, through suffering uh, uh, and I, I don't mean I don't mean the healing where we're going to grow a leg back or, or or you know that type of thing. Uh, I'm talking about mental uh, 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 mental healing that comes that, that God wants us to have. That we we are we are dealing with the the, the topic of grief, uh, grieving, mourning, sorrow, uh, afflictions, that type of thing. Uh, last week, last Wednesday night, uh, we we. Use the, the, the subject, Grief, God, and Grace. And tonight we're going to use the same subject, just say part two, on that same topic. Uh, uh, we're doing this on Sunday night and Sunday morning also in, in a little bit different uh, fashion. Uh, but we're going to try to concentrate and focus on Wednesday night on the, the more uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight things we can do uh, to help us through this. Last week we talked about helping others through it. And this week we're going to focus more on how do we get through it? How do we deal with it in our own personal life? And uh, how do we face this difficulty in our life? Uh, C.S. Lewis. <clears throat> C.S. Lewis, most of, you, uh, most of you are more familiar, if I would have said, the, the Chronicles of Narnia. How many of y'all have ever heard of the Chronicles of Narnia? I mean, you know, everybody has seen the movie or, or heard about the movie. And the man, the man that wrote that, uh, his name C.S. Lewis. He's the author of many well-known books, including the Narnia series. He was a bachelor for most of his life. In his mid-50s, he married a a woman named Joy Davidman. Within four years, she died of cancer. And as he tried to make sense of the experience, he wrote a book entitled, A Grief Observed. He begins the book with these poignant words. Now watch this. Say it with me. Say it again. 
Say it one more time. You know why sometimes grief is so difficult to deal with? Because we don't ever talk about it. We don't ever discuss it. We don't even want to think about it. We'll go the opposite way on another road if we know it goes by a cemetery. We won't go into a funeral home unless we have to, unless it's an absolute must. Why? Because sometimes we have this idea, if we don't talk about it, maybe it will go away. And that's not always so. How many of y'all have have known and experienced uh, uh, a death in the family, whether close or somewhat in, 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 in the near immediate future? Raise your hand. You know why? Because every human being is going to face that difficulty. So what makes it so difficult? What makes it so hard to deal with? We don't ever want to talk about it. I don't like, I like talking about ice cream. I like talking about coon hunting. I like talking about the ball game. I like talking about uh, college football. I mean, I get around people that are lively. I get around people that, that are excitable. I get around people that are positive. If you are negative very much around me, you're not going to see me very much. Because I have to deal with negative all the time, and I'm not going to do it on purpose if I have to. Say amen. Now, I have to on, the, on this side, I have to on the, the clergy side, on the pastoral side of me, so when I get on the other side and I don't have to and I'm on my own, I'm not going to hang around negative people. Say amen. I, I'm, I'm just not going to do that. I, I, don't like, I, I like being around people that like to have fun. I like being around people that are cut up. I like people that, that, that like to enjoy themselves. And I don't get around that kind of thing. So when that thing comes, here we go. We have problems. Amen? How many of y'all are like that? Say amen. Now, uh, divorce, a spouse who's unfaithful, a crime, an accident, a, a past mistake, things we did that we don't want nobody to know about, those things in the closet that we want everybody to, uh, 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 not to know about, a death, a, a health issue, a family crisis, financial crisis, an addiction, all these things nobody talks about. Oh, we have an issue. There is an issue in the family, or there is a problem. We don't never want to name it. Uh, a family member goes to jail. We sure don't want to talk about that. A family member has an addiction. We don't want to talk about that. Uh, we'll call it a, a medical problem. Now, what do we do? What are we sitting in? Most of us sitting in denial about the deal. Hello? Now, now y'all don't, ain't no, I know we ain't got that many in here tonight, but there ain't no reason to be that quiet. Say amen. What do we do? We don't talk about it, and we hope that it goes somewhere else. But you know what the sad part is? Every single family in this church has faced one of them sooner or later, coming or going. Every one of us. But we still don't want to talk about it. Now, now, I, I, I took this and I read this, and, and I know it's a little bit more reading than I, I like to do when I'm teaching or preaching, uh, but I couldn't help it. I had to, I had to read it and, and put it in your notes there. Uh, Pat Claremont is a, is a Christian comedian, and she wrote a book, Under His Wings. Uh, she tells a moving story of the reality of dealing with grief. She says this, We buried my friend's 26-year-old son last week. An accidental gunshot took Jeff's life. We have more questions than answers. Have you ever been there? Say amen. I have more questions than answers. We are offended at people who have all the answers and no experience with a devastating loss. That, that, is, that is a little irritating, isn't it? Everybody's got an answer, but they've never been where you've been, so that, that, that's really hard to deal with. Uh, I watched the heart-wrenching scenes as the family tried to come to grips with the tragedy. I can still hear the travailing of the mother's anguished heart. I can still, uh, 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 I can still see the wrenching of the father's grief-torn hands. I can still smell the hospital and the funeral home. Memories march before my mind like soldiers. 
causing me to relive the agony. If it is this difficult for me, she says, just godmother, how much more magnified the agony uh, 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 for the, the birth mother? I can't even imagine. As I watched Jeff's mom, Carol, the, uh, let's see, uh, the, the week after his death, I observed a miracle. I saw her move from despair to hope, from franticness to peace, from uncertainty to assurance, from needing comfort to extending it. I witnessed a mom facing her, her worst nightmare and refusing to run away. Instead, she ran to him. When grief knocked the breath out of Carol, she went to the breath giver. I watched as the Lord placed his mantle of grace around her and then supported her with his mercy. The grief process has just begun for Jeff's loved ones. And I said that so I could say the, let, the, the, the underlined part. Uh, that's not the, 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 the main point that I want you to get. You needed to understand that part of the story so you could read the next part because the next part is what most of us face. Uh, and, and by the way, every family don't experience that same stuff. She's seen, she's seen a miracle in this, in this situation. She's seen uh, this woman experience some things, but every family don't experience that. Every person going through that kind of tragedy doesn't experience that. But watch this. This is what I want you to see. The Lord will not remove his presence from the Porter family. Now, why won't he? Because he said, I will never, nor, now say that again, I will never, nor, so we know God will never leave us. God will never let us go. God will never forsake us. But watch this, watch this. This is the key thing. But there may be moments when he will remove their awareness of his presence. What does that mean? God is still there. He just don't feel like he is. He's still there, but he has removed the awareness of that fact. Uh, he's still there. He has not left us. He has not forsaken us. He is still there for us, but he's taken away the awareness of his presence. Now, I'm thinking this, and, and I'm reading this as I'm studying, preparing to, to, to uh, minister to y'all and to get encouragement and learn something. I'm thinking, you know, that's true. I've seen that so many times, even in my own life. But why does he do that? Why does he do that? Why, why would he remove that? Why would he take that awareness away if, 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 if that's what it is that's helping us? Now watch this. That will allow them to feel the impact of their loss. You say, Man, that's terrible. That's what we don't want to feel. Now watch this. He knows it would be our tendency to hide even behind his grace to protect our fragile hearts from the harsh winds of reality. He offers us refuge, but he also promises us what? Wholeness. Wholeness. How many of y'all have ever heard the song, Lord, please don't move that mountain. Just give me strength to climb. Same thing. Grace, strength, same thing. Don't take it away, but just give me. But for if you remove each mountain, I'll grow what? Each time. I'll grow weaker. What do you mean? There's sometimes God has to let us experience things. So we can be complete. So we can be whole. Now watch. Wholeness means we are fully present with ourselves and with Him. Therefore, we have to own our pain. We, we do not part, if we, if we do not, part of who we are will either shut down, avoid, or deny. That would leave us estranged from ourselves and divided in our identity. Also, also, we would never heal in a way that would allow us to minister to others. What is this all about? Everything we face, everything we face in life is becoming Christ-like. The whole purpose of our life here on earth. Uh, the Bible says in Romans eight twenty eight. we all can quote that one. 
Uh, for, for we know that all things work together for good, then love the Lord, then who are called according to his purpose. And then the next verse, this is the key. This is the one we always leave out, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to become conformed to the image of his... So that's his purpose. God allows all these things to happen, and he'll work them out to, to conform us to the image of his son. And sometimes we have to face... Sometimes he's got to step back and let the winds blow. Sometimes he's got to step back and allow us to feel the full force of what we are dealing with so that we can be a whole person and a complete person and one that can step in and minister to that other one one day in our life down the road that we need to help and they need our help. Now, number one, write this down. Just a couple things I want to share with you tonight and, uh, and, and, and we'll pray and go home. Number one, number one, write this down. I want you to see there is a purpose to understand. We're talking about grief and grieving. Grief and grieving, there is a purpose to understand. Let's talk about grief, the purpose of it. What does it do for us? What does it do for us? How is it going to help us? Uh, what is it, the purpose that God has put it here? Some people, <clears throat> sometimes people feel guilty. They feel guilty about going through grief. I've talked with uh, uh, a handful of folks at this in the immediate uh, uh, grips of grief. Uh, and, and, and one of the things that keeps coming up, I've talked to those, that, uh, uh, Dr. Brown and different ones that, that have faced a thousand different people that are doing that and how it's helped him. And, and, and this is what they always come up with. Sometimes they feel guilty for feeling grief. They feel like, if I, how, what kind of Christian am I, am I for feeling this way? If I was a good Christian, I would be stronger than this. If I was a good Christian, I would have more faith. If I, if I, if I. And they begin to get guilty they begin to feel guilty satan puts those feelings on them that is not from god say that with me that is not from that is not from god now watch sometimes they feel guilty about going through grief because they think that they should be able to handle things as uh, if life was business as usual but they struggle with their emotions and their emotions went out at times and we wonder if we're normal or if we're losing our minds but watch this read that next sentence with me all right, let's all read it together. Everybody, here we go. We need to. Grief is. Grief is. In fact, it is. We got to have it. We got to experience it. What does the Bible say about Christ? We do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points. In other words, everything we went through and experienced, he has. And he knows. It's essential. Now watch this. Hey, write this down. I don't, I don't know what I left out on your notes. I, I should have underlined it here on mine. So I'll just read it out and you fill in uh, where you need to fill in. Grief, grief is the first step toward adapting to the loss of crisis. Grief is the first step toward adapting, and the key word, I think, is adapting. Did I, is that the one I underlined? Adapting to the loss of crisis. How many of you, how many of you, uh, 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 how many of y'all like to watch 2020 or them news shows? Like I do, I do, because I'm, I'm nosy. I just like those, you know, I just like those things. How many of you saw the one where uh, uh, the, the, the gentleman had, he didn't have any arms, he didn't have any arms, but he could play a guitar with, it, with his feet. Anybody seen that? And do everything else with his feet. Anybody see that? 
Man, Joey, you missed it. It's a good one. I mean, he did not have any. He could play a guitar like you ain't never heard with his feet. Are y'all with me? I, I don't think y'all, y'all are getting what I'm saying. Feet. Most of you can't even walk with your feet. What happened? A tragedy. What happened? A difficulty. But now the sucker's playing a guitar with his feet. What'd he do? Tell me what he did. Do you know what even animals learn to adapt when there is a loss? Uh, let, me, let me tell about Brother Bruce's coon dog. Brother Bruce's coon dog, uh, uh, Jim, the original Jim, uh, he was treeing on a tree one night, and a mule, wasn't it a mule? Did I get that story right? A mule came and kicked him in the leg and broke his leg. Terrible thing. It was an awful thing. I'd have cried. I'd have cried like a baby. I, it's just me. I'm sorry. I'm sensitive. Amen. They took him to the vet. They fixed it. And then and, and, and later on, uh, he was treated again, and it broke again because it was just too weak. They said, we're going to have to amputate his leg. And they took the leg off. But do you know that that dog still made night champion and grand night champion with three legs? His new name was Tripod. Say amen. Oh, they always called him Old Three. Well, here comes Old Three Legs. And that was one of the jokes at the coon hunts when you drew out with Jim. Uh, oh, it's bad. when it's, You know it's bad when you get beat by a four-legged dog, but when you get beat by a three-legged dog, that's embarrassing. Say amen. Did he not do all that? Grand night champion. His boy is hunting a night champion out of him. And, uh, and uh, anyhow, well, I, I just got to quit right there. We're going to talk about coon dogs tonight. Amen. But what's happened? The dog learned to adapt to what's going on. Now, why are you saying all this? Because when we have a tragedy, when we have a loss, the first step to adapt, and we have to adapt, because if we don't adapt and adjust, we can't go on with life. And that loss is there. That loss is real. But in order to begin, in order to begin to adapt so that we can function in life, grief is the first step to adapting. Because that loss is there. No matter what Brother Bruce wanted to do, he couldn't put that leg back on, on, on Jim. No matter what that gentleman on that documentary, he, could, he would never get his arms back. There's situations that we have to face that's never going to change. There's, it's never going to be different. It's never going to be different. No matter how much we want it to be different, it's never going to be different. So we have to learn to adapt and adjust. And that will come in time. But the first step to making that happen is the grieving process. And God has given us grief or grieving to start the process of adapting. All right? Now, A, say it with me. Greet, say it with me real loud because I, I want to go through this uh, uh, quickly, but I, I'm going to get bogged down if you don't help me. All right? Grief is the first step toward adapting to the loss or the crisis. Now, B, write this down. The way out of grief, the way out of grief is to journey through it. Journey through it. You can't avoid it. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. You got to go through it. Yea, though, yea, though, I walk. 
listen, sometimes that valley's dark. Sometimes that valley's deep. But the only way is through it. Is through it. And understanding that it is a journey. Understanding that it is... Let me me give you... What's the verse? Uh, Ecclesiastes 3, verse verse 1. To everything there is a... And a... There's not one day of spring. There's not one day of summer. There's not one day of winter. It's an extended period of time. Sometimes we have to realize what we are facing and what we are going through. It's a journey, not a step. It starts with a step, but it's still a journey. Say it with me. It's a not a step. Okay? Okay? Because, see, you say, why are you saying it like that? Because some of us feel we want the, the magic formula to quit hurting. We, we want to run to the store and, 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 and buy that goodies orange flavor that's, that works so fast. And we want that special peel. We want that shot. Because in the society we live in today, there's so much medical advantage today. Nobody wants to hurt for anything. And, and we take that mentality over in our, in our emotional feelings. And we don't want to hurt there neither. So we want to go to God and get that one-two step to not ever hurt again. And we've got to realize grief is a process. Grief is a journey. It's not a one-step deal. Church, say amen. Grief is the first step toward adapting to loss and crisis. B, say it with me. Say it with me real loud. The. All right, C. Remember this. Grief is the winter before the spring of new life. I talked to uh, I talked to Brother Doyle's mother this afternoon. Uh, she was calling to talk to Miss Barry and and uh, uh, Miss Parsha, and I, I was talking to her, and I said, "How's it feel down there?" And oh, it's it's seventy. 170 or something. She says, it's nice. It's supposed to be that. I said, well, it's a little chillier than that up here. And we were start, we started talking about the weather. She said, oh, I don't, I don't want it. She said, I like that sometimes, but I don't want to like that all the time. And I said, you know, that's one of the things I love about living up in Alabama. I guess because I lived in Florida for so long, and the winter is hot, and the summer is hot, and the spring is hot, and the fall is hot. Are you all with me? Say amen. Sometimes you'll have a spell. Sometimes you'll have a whatever, but it was very very rare and 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 when i moved up north north from where i was at uh you have the changes man that's great it's cool when you walk outside and that first time that crispness that's not christmas crispness is in the air are y'all with me amen i'm looking for santa already amen but it's there and you have that and there's there's a change that's there and then that winter time and you think oh i can't wait till it gets cold i want to see snow and all you know all this kind of stuff i was 18 years old before i seen snow my first time in my life and i always want to see snow and i still like seeing i just don't want to work in it say amen right there but uh uh and and you oh man and, and then when you're in that cold for a while and there's no leaves and there's no grass and everything's brown and then that first time you walk outside and you don't need a sweater that one, and, and then you start see things springing up. Grief is the winter. The spring's coming. Spring's coming. 
We, we quote the verse all the time, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. There is a season of grief. There's a season of wintertime when it seems like there's no life, when there's, no, there's nothing to live for. But I promise you, spring is coming because it's a season. Grief is always a season. They so said there's a season and a time for everything. There's a season to be born. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to lift up. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to cry. Listen. I've seen this, this illustration and I wanted to read it for you. Grief can all, also be used to create something. Say that with me. Grief can also be used to create something. Say that again. In and with our lives. Watch this. This is an example from nature. Mount St. Helens erupted in May 1980. Hundreds of square kilometers were obliterated under a sea of mud and ash. Every living thing was destroyed, buried, or burned. But within four months, the first flowers were blooming. Within a couple of kilometers of the mountain, uh, some tiny seedlings somehow survived, and, and now that the taller trees were gone, they had the opportunity to grow and flourish. Within a year, wildlife had returned. Out of the apparent lifeless landscape of devastation was springing what? Biologists estimate that within 30 years, you won't even be able to tell that an eruption took place. That's God at work. Now watch how that works for us. God can and will and does bring new life too. Sometimes it happens so slowly, we're hardly even aware of it. But new life comes. We find the strength to get out again. We find the strength to move forward. We discover our anger, even our anger toward God. Transforms into wisdom as we gain perspective on life. Out of the devastated landscape of our lives comes new life that is surprisingly... Watch this. Yes, it is different than life was before, but even in its difference, it is God leads us beside peaceful streams we never knew before. Give me a verse. I'll give you a verse. Ecclesiastes 3.11. We just read it. Read it with me. He made... All those devastating forest fires. California and in different places. Not only that, uh, uh, Georgia. You remember just a few months ago, Georgia was going through everything. Even the swamps was burning up. They said all that peat moss and everything that was four and five foot below ground was burning underneath the ground. Everything was burning. Everything, if you looked during the midst of it and just a little while after it, it looked like a devastated mess, nothing but black charcoal. But go down there and look now. New life springs out of devastation. I won't never feel that way. Yes, you will. You don't feel that now, but you will. It will come. God promises that. God assures that. And God has done it time and time and time and time again. When the disciples were standing over the bloody corpse of Jesus Christ, when they were standing over that body that was butchered beyond recognition, things looked terrible. Things looked terrible. But that wasn't the end of the story. When he was standing before them in new life, and he's going to come again in new life, things have a drastic way of changing. Divorce is devastating. Death is devastating. Stupid things we do and the failures we make are devastating. But God will bring new life. You've got to understand that. Sometimes 
sometimes, and, and even even some uh, uh, some of the scientists that study nature and the, and the things that go on. Sometimes they say those fires and those those uh, disasters are so necessary to bring in new life. So we see grief is the winner. Say that with me. Grief is the winner before the spring of new life. All right, number two. Number two, write this down. Don't you see some things? We're going to be just a little more practical in these steps. I want you to write this down. Appropriate, I, 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 I forgot to change, I forgot to change uh, uh, the, 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 the main points on that, so I'm going to have to just tell that to them because I, I don't even remember what I put. I, let me see that. Uh, I want you to see uh, 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 patterns to expect. I forgot, I'm sorry, I, I meant to change that up there and I forgot. Patterns to expect. I need a pen. Somebody give me a pen so I can change that on mine. Oh, okay. Patterns to expect. What can we expect? Lord, give me a good memory because I'm going to need it. All right. All right. Patterns to expect. Number one. Number one. Say it with me. Say it again. Do you did you catch how that's written? Did you catch did anybody catch how that's written? It's not written your grief is going to take longer than you think. What did it say? In other words, the one going through the grief, the people around them are going to think they're taking this just a little too far. Or isn't it about time they get over this? Isn't it about time they get on with this? But that's not always the case. Now, so, so who are we talking to now? Who are we talking to now? We're talking to the grieving. As you grieve, as you are in this journey, as you are in this pattern, as you are in this process, you need to understand sometimes people will think this is just taking longer than it ought to think. And just, just excuse their ignorance. Say that with me. Say, say it again. Because you're going to want to bite their head off. Because they just don't understand, all right? Sometimes your grief is going to take longer than most people think. Number two, say it with me. How many of y'all can say amen right there? Number three. In other words, it's not going to be the same all the time. It's not going to be the same all the time. It may change from week to week. It may change from day to day. It may even change from hour to hour. You may cry one minute and laugh the next. You may, you may be in a depression one minute and on a, on a, 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 a experience in a high on the next. It, 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 it's always different. And it's different with each person. What number are we on? Number four. Say it with me. Say it again. What, what is it going to affect? What's, the, what's that say it's going to affect? Everything. Everything. Your relationships. Everything. It's going to affect everything. Expect it to. You know, you know what boxer gets knocked to the canvas? When he's hit with the one he's not looking for. When he's hit with the one he is not expecting or looking for. All right? So I want you to be looking for these things. All right? Number, number five. Say it with me real loud. Say it again. All right. 
uh, you say, what does that mean? That means how you perceive. What does perceive mean? It's how you see it. Do you see this as God's trying to, to injure me? Is God trying to pick on me? Is God trying to hurt me? It's how you see it. Perception is about how you see it. It's, one person can see one. That, I, I use this illustration in my Sunday school class about perception. Uh, I can look at an oyster, and I can think a cracker. I can think a barbecue grill. I can think about a hot sauce. And uh, 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 anybody, is that what you're thinking when you think about that? Anybody thinking the same thing? A cra- I see a couple, amen, a couple. Uh, now, how, I, I, Tammy, are you thinking about a cracker and hot sauce in a barbecue grill? What are you thinking about? What are, how do you see that? Throwing up. Anybody's perceiving it that way? You see what I'm saying? The one thing looked at two different ways. Your, your grief is going to be depend, dependent on how you see and what's happening here. All right? All right? What's the next one? What number? All right. I think we skipped six. Let's try six. Well, I don't think you have six, do you? I... <laughs> see, therein we... Uh... Have another typo right there. All right, I forgot to fix that on y'all too. I, I seen. I said I got to go back and do that, but then I I forgot. Whatever uh, <laughs> your seven will be my six. All right, uh, you will grieve for what you have lost already, and for what you have lost for the future. See, this is this is what a lot of people who are not experiencing the grief they don't understand. All they can see is the immediate. All they can see is what is hand. All they can see is what they can see. But watch this next one. Your grief will entail mourning not only for the actual person or situation you lost, but also for all the hopes, dreams, and unfulfilled expectations you held for and with that person and for the needs that will go unmet because of the situation. That's what many people don't understand and they, they, they lack perception when it comes to dealing with grief because they want, well, it, it, you'll, you'll get over it in time. Some things you will never get over, but you will get through. Okay? Now, number whatever. Amen. I, it could, I think mine's eight. All right. Your grief will involve a wide variety of feelings and reactions, not solely those that are generally thought as of grief, such as depression and sadness. Uh, somebody, somebody gonna say, Well, why are you mad? Ain't no sense in getting mad. I'm just trying to help you. See, they don't understand. They don't understand. I didn't. I, as I'm studying this, I'm learning more and more. How many of y'all are learning with your preacher? You're learning in this thing. I, I promise you this. This is not my style. Y'all know this. This is not my expertise. This is not how I like preaching or teaching. But this is the only way I know to how to get us the information that we need that's going to help us. Okay? So how many of y'all going to bear with me while we do it this way? All right? All right. Uh, 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 nine. Uh, uh, your loss will resurrect old issues, feelings, and unresolved conflicts from the past. Them are the ones that get us. Because sometimes there's wounds from the past that we think aren't there because they've been scabbed over, but the whole time they were just festering underneath. And then when the situation comes, it's kind of like, like marriage. It's kind of like uh, marriage, the, the, the relational couple between the man and the woman. Uh, uh, the man can say something. The man can say something to the, to the wife 
and it's a bad thing. And he's so dumb, he don't even realize it. And she don't tell him. But it was a bad thing. I need an amen from the men. And, and he never knows it till he does that a few times. And he don't know it any of them times till all of a sudden a show enough situation comes and then she not only gets hysterical, she gets historical. It was always there. It never went away, but it took, boom, this situation to bring it all back up. That's why sometimes, sometimes when we face that tragedy, here we are remembering all kinds of things that we didn't even remember was even there. And I've had people sit in my office and say, I thought I was over that. Sometimes grief will bring in things that we need to take care of. Listen, your loss will resurrect old issues, feelings, and unresolved conflicts from the past. My eyes getting quiet in here. Isn't it, isn't it just parking right in our garage tonight? Uh, you may have a combination of anger, depression, such as irritability, annoyance, or intolerance. You will feel some anger and guilt, or at least some manifestation of these emotions. Number 12 or 11, whatever. Uh, what is y'all's? Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, you may experience grief spasms, acute upsurges of grief that occur suddenly with no warning. I mean, just out of the blue, just here it is. You will have trouble thinking, memory, organization, intellectual processing, or making decisions. You may, you may feel like you're going crazy. You may be obsessed with a death and, and preoccupied with the deceased. You may find yourself acting socially in ways that are different than before. You may find yourself having a number of physical reactions. I mean, it'll affect your physical body. Others will have... Now, now here's, here's the deal. This is where we have to have grace to, to deal with others around us who are trying to help, but they just don't know how. Others, read it with me. Others... Okay, everybody say that one more time. Others... All right, take a pen, take a pen and underline that and, and put circles around it and put stars beside it and right beside it, write this, remember this. Number 19, in summary... Your grief will bring with it, depending upon the combinations of the factors above, an intense amount of emotions that will surprise you and those around you. Most of us are unprepared for the global response we have to a major loss. Our expectations tend to be unrealistic. Say that with me. Underline that. Underline that. I think that's, that's a lot of sometimes what we face we, we get to feeling guilty because we, we didn't think we would react the way we react. But it's amazing how you will react when it's you going through it. It's amazing how you'll react when it's your kid that got picked on. It's amazing how we'll react when it's your spouse that left or your spouse that, that, that whatever. We can all say what we want to do or what, what I tell you, 
How many of y'all have been around those? Well, I'll tell you what I'd do if that was me. I love, I, I don't know if this, this may not be appropriate, but it fits. The cop pulled the gentleman over, went up to him, and just slapped him. Just wham, slapped him right in the face. Gave him a ticket, walked around the other side, wham, slapped the other guy, passenger side. He said, man, what you hitting me for? He said, I was just making your wish come true. He said, what wish? He said, because when you got down the road, you'd have said, I wish he'd have done that to me. How many of y'all heard people like that? i tell you what i do. Well, i tell you, if she'd done that to me, yeah, that's all them single people that say that. Bruce, we'll be at the Coon Club, won't we? And, uh, and uh, I'm talking about people who've been divorced about seven, eight hundred times. And, and, that, and, 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 and we'll say, something. well, we're going uh, with our wife now. Well, i tell you what, let me tell you what you need. No, you don't need to tell me nothing. I see your track record. Amen. I've seen, I've seen Bruce, this honest guy. And I'm not just saying this because his wife's here. But I, I've heard him. I've heard him. He's getting nervous right now. You see him fidgeting over there? I've heard him say, no, I love my wife. I've, seen, I've heard him say that. Honest to God, Miss Hilda, I've heard him say that. They would say something about it, about the old ball and chain or something, and he said it with his own mouth. I've, I've heard him stand. Not me. I wouldn't. I love my wife. I'm glad I'm married. I said, yeah, okay, all right, anyhow. He did. I, he, Bruce, did you say it? You're in church now. Don't tell no lie. You did say it. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes people have unrealistic expectations because they've never been through it. Just smile and say, Bless you and go on. Say amen. <laughs> amen. All right, Miss Amber, what's that next one there? Uh, uh, help me, Jesus. Tell me. Principles. Principles to employ. Principles to employ. All right, now what do we do in that situation? What do we do? We talked about patterns. We, 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 we understand uh, why it is and how God uses that for healing and, and changes in our life and brings new life into our life through grief and uh, uh, helps us deal with it and adapt to where we're going in life, how life's going to be different. And then we talked about some of the things we can expect as we are in the grief process. Now, what can we do? What can we do in that process, all right? Number uh, A, I done changed that back to letters. My goodness. I don't know. <laughs> Help me now. Amen. All right. Here we go. A, say it with me. I would encourage you, if you are in the grief process, have a journal. Have a journal. I've talked to many people that's faced this, and they said something about writing things down is very medicated. Write things down. Write what you're experiencing. Write what you're going through. Write what you're facing. Write what you think. Write what you wouldn't never tell nobody. Say amen. And then don't never show nobody. Uh, focus on what you're feeling. Uh, B, read it with me. All right, now here's something, here's something where we have to be. It's like that coach that has to get in your face and say, boom, this is the deal. Sometimes, sometimes, Sometimes I've had to do this. I've had to do this recently. Uh, do you need? Are you talking to me as a friend or as a counselor? Are you talking to me as a friend or as a counselor? Sometimes we need a friend who will, but then we need a counselor who will tell us what the deal is. Are y'all with me? Now, in this situation, sometimes, a lot of times, most of the time, 
people come to my office and they want me to tell them or they want me to uh, uh, ease their conscience about what they're doing. They don't want, they don't want to uh, fix it. They don't want to change it. They don't want to help it. They just want to tell me about it. And, and, and they come in for counsel. They come in, uh, well, I want help with this thing. And then, and, uh, and, and then I say, well, this is what you need. Well, I don't want to do that. Or, or, I knew you'd say that. That's my favorite. I knew you'd say that. Then why are you here? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We've got to be able to get to the place, okay, what am I going to do about my situation? You've got to have two things. You've got to have a friend who's going to sit there and not say anything and let you just vent. Just, just say whatever you want to say and, and be able to say whatever you want to say no matter how loud or how long. Say amen. You need a friend who will? But then you need somebody accountable who can say, look, this is what you need to do. Because you've got to be able to take steps to get from where you are to where you want to be. Because you can't stay where you are and just talk about where you want to be. You have to line out some steps to get there. Amen? It's like the person that stands over here and they have great big dreams about uh, uh, having a nice car and a nice house and all these things and, and all they do is sit there and talk about it. All they sit there is and talk about the job. All they do is sit there and talk about money. All they sit there, but they never put what they say to their feet and get going. Church, say amen. So we need a friend who will hear and you need both. I didn't realize that, but you do. As I'm learning through this stuff and going through this, sometimes you just need to just vent and get it off. But then sometimes you need somebody to be able to look you dead in your eye and say, look, hey, this is what we need to do. This is the next step we need to take. This is what we need to do. We need both. Sometimes we don't want both, but sometimes we need both. Say amen. Say amen. You're getting quiet. All right. What letter are we on? Uh, C. C, be sure you are sharing your loss and grief with others who can listen to you and support you during this time. That kind of goes along with B. It may help to find a person who's experienced in a similar loss. Underline that. Underline that. It may help to find a person who's experienced a similar loss. You know why? Because they can say, I know exactly how you feel. Some folks, I, can't, I, can, I can say Bible verses, I can say what the Bible says about something, but I can't say I understand, because I really don't. I've done that before, and they corrected me very quickly. You don't understand, you haven't. But then when somebody's there that has been there, you know they have, and if God's helped them through it, maybe God can help you through it. Say amen. All right? E, I think. Is that right? Identify the positive characteristics and strengths of your life which have helped you before. Now, why is that important? Uh, you, need to, you need to minimize the weaknesses and maximize the strengths. You need to know what you're strong at so you can focus on that more than you do your weaknesses. Uh, spend time reading the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms are some of the most encouraging scriptures in the Bible. Uh, most of the Psalms was when uh, uh, David 
uh, was going through some of the most difficult times in life and when God was helping him and meeting his needs, and it will help you. Uh, when you pray, when you pray, share your confusion, your feelings, and hopes with God. Right there beside that, right there beside that, if you will, if you don't mind. Be honest. Be honest. If you're mad at God, tell him. If you're angry, tell him. If you're confused, tell him. You know why? He already knows. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He already knew. He was telling him. He was expressing. He was a child going before his father. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Listen, spend time and pray and tell God what's happening. And then think about this. Think about this. Read the next one. Where? Read it with me. Why, why is that important to think about? Say it again. Okay, it's about setting goals. True. Sometimes thinking about the future will get your focus off the present and off the past. When, when, Jacob, when Jacob was mourning, when they brought that, when they brought that, uh, that coat of Joseph to him and, and, and all that blood, and he said, I will go to my grave mourning over Joseph. There was other sons that were there that he could have focused on in their future for what God had for them, but he couldn't because his whole focus was on what he didn't have. Sometimes we need to sit down, where do I want to be two years from now? What, what do I want in my life two years from now? Sometimes it helps to look ahead to keep from looking behind. Say that with me. Sometimes it helps to, to keep from... All right. I become familiar with the stages of grief. And we talked about that last Wednesday. Become familiar with the stages of grief so you will know what to expect and you won't be thrown by what you are experiencing. Let's go through those. Let's go through those real quick. A, B, and C. Do you have them up there, Brother Barnes? A, B, you don't have them? All right, you should have them in your notes, right? Do you have them? I've got that. But is, is it on there? Did I list all of them? Okay. All right, let's go through them. A, what's the first stage? B, C, D, E. Now, do you remember what we said last week? Sometimes in the journey, you will go from one to the other and back to the other. This doesn't mean that you'll go from straight from panic and shock, straight to anger or denial, straight to anger, straight to depression, and then to acceptance. So you think, well, I'm to depression. I'm almost out of this thing. It don't work that way. Sometimes you go from depression back to anger, then back to denial, then all the way back down. It's a journey that must take its place. It, how, many of you, how many of you have had a, a virus and, and, and you went to the doctor or you went to your mama and your mama said, it's just got to work itself. It's got to run its... I don't care how much antibiotics you take. I don't care how much medicine you took. You can take it all. But it just had to run its... Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes that's the case. I don't know when I'm through it. I don't know when I'm through it. You'll know. Because you'll be experiencing life again how do you know how do you know when it's spring there's flowers on the branches there's tomatoes on the vine 
Listen, it will come. But let me read, let's, I'm going to read one verse and we're going to pray. Ecclesiastes 3.11. Read it with me. Okay. Why, why don't we, uh, why don't we all try it, all right? <laughs> verse 11. Read it with me. Ah, read the yellow part again. Preacher, when am I, I going to be through it? When everything's beautiful again. When you can see it the way God sees it. But it's going to be, don't ever forget, in His time. In His time. Now we can take the other steps. We can counsel. We can talk to our friends. We can be faithful to church. We can read our Bibles. But sometimes it just takes Sometimes that divorce, sometimes that death, sometimes that difficult situation, sometimes that losing the job or the career, whatever it is, whatever it is, we can do all the things we physically physically can do, but we still hurt. And sometimes we just got to do what we can and trust God. Say that with me. And say it again. And to get us through the journey. I've got to take, I don't know if I'm going to do this or not. I don't know if I've got peace about doing it or not. Uh, I've got a tape of Dr. E.V. Hill. How many of y'all have ever heard of Dr. E.V. Hill? He was a black preacher out in California. Uh, incredible preacher. I mean, this guy could preach. He preached his own wife's funeral at, at, in 1986. And uh, he was with her 32 years. And she asked him to preach her funeral. And I've got that on tape. And it's incredible. She died of, I believe it was liver cancer, and, uh, and, and the whole premise, it's, it's great. I mean, he's preaching, you'll, you'll laugh one minute and cry the next, and, and, and at the end of the message, the one thing that he said God told him in the whole deal, and I've talked to everybody, everybody I've talked to said the same thing. He said, when I went to the chapel and left that room, when the doctor said there's nothing else we can do, he said, I went in there to pray for my wife, my lover, my friend. I went in there, and everything that I could tell God, God kept telling me, trust me. Trust me. And sometimes, when we've done all we can do, all we can do is. Isn't it so much easier to quote Proverbs chapter 3? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's easier to do when your heart's not broken. But it's still the truth. Church, say amen. Lord, I pray that you'll help us apply these things.